0: I confess, I'm here with my ex-girlfriend. I will never forget the first time I dominated her. It was world-changing! I confess, I'm wearing
1: a Wonder Woman underwear, and I feel like a superhero.
0: (laughs) I confess, I have had a crush on the guy who pierced my daughter's ears for years. And I've never spoken to him. He's here tonight. <laughs> hey. And I bet he knows who he is.
1: <laughs> I confess. Remember squiggle pens from the 90s? Well, I used it as my vibrator from 6th to 12th grade. Okay, until I was 20 and it broke.
0: <laughs> Welcome to Bad Post Confessions.
1: Sex. Almost everybody does it, and almost nobody talks about it, except at Bedpost Confessions, a storytelling show based in Austin, Texas. Whether the stories are funny, informative, political, or completely personal, the anonymous confessions from the audience are the stars of every show. Welcome to the Bedpost Confessions podcast. I'm Bedpost producer, Sadie Smythe. From our second skin show, Danielle and Melissa Skidmore share a modern day love story entitled Beautifully Complicated, Love, Grief, and Resilience. Danielle Skidmore is a special needs parent, an engineer, a reluctant politician, and an out and proud transgender woman. Melissa Skidmore is an educator and a parent. She teaches French language and cultural studies at the University of Texas. One couple, two stories, a lifetime of skins. Before we hear Danielle and Melissa's story, please note Bed Post Confessions is made accessible to deaf audience members by the fantastic interpreters from Soul Illumination. Though the interpreters are there to serve the deaf, they enthrall the entire crowd with their beautiful expressions of American Sign Language. If you hear a roar of laughter and don't understand why... The interpreter may have stolen the show for a minute. All right, on to Danielle and Melissa.
2: I'm Melissa Skidmore.
3: And I'm Danielle Skidmore.
2: I've heard it said that when a husband comes out of the closet as transgender and goes through transition, that a wife goes into hers. For me, at least, it was too weird and somehow unnecessary to send a blanket email or link to my husband's coming out post. It wasn't my story to tell, but it is my life. Our life is a beautifully complicated life. I'm beautiful, and she's complicated. (laughs) Or is it the other way around?
3: Jeez, you have always been a princess. Princess?
2: I'm a motherfucking queen. (laughs) And I'm telling the story. It's an atypical story and an atypical situation and a story that's fitting to tell in July because it's a significant month for her and for me. Over the course of 23 Julys, Julys, have, we become wiser, a little older, happier, and one of us looks very different. Julys have sometimes moved really slowly and sometimes at a dizzying rate, starting in July of 1996. Oh... Hmm. That July, I married a wickedly smart, funny, and attractive guy named Joe who had a killer smile and never seemed to get ruffled.
3: And that Joe was me. At birth, I was named Joseph Daniel Skidmore, and I never much felt like a Josephine. (laughs) So I'm Danielle. I'm comfortable sharing my birth name, but please don't ask another trans person what their name used to be. It's a really personal question, and it's our story to tell.
2: So we married in my hometown, surrounded by family and friends, over the holiday weekend, and together we plotted a life of travel and adventure. We had a strong partnership, and Joe was great, but sex was not as easy as I thought it would be, or should be. But I was sure our sex life would get better. I mean, it wasn't bad, but it wasn't good either. Just infrequent and confusing. In any case, we were in love, and hey, that conquers all, right? Fast forward 10 years, and in the months leading up to our 10th anniversary, a bunch of the girls in my book club took a private class with a dancer from the Yellow Rose on how to give a lap dance. We were all celebrating big anniversaries that summer, and though some of the girls thought it might be better just to hire the dancer directly... (laughs) Others knew their husbands would be surprised and delighted at the thought of their wives giving them a lap dance. I didn't go to the class, and I never ended up putting on the delicate lace lingerie that I did purchase in a hopeful moment. I knew it would just make my husband uncomfortable, like all of the other gifts that I had bought for Valentine's Day or anniversaries, you know, to spice things up or start a conversation
3: Those heartfelt gifts were troubling reminders of a masculinity that was always disconcerting to me. Instead, I focused on what I was good at, being a parent, being a father. So in July 2006, we did celebrate our 10th anniversary in a beautiful place in Costa Rica with our son, Peter. And when Peter was a baby, he suffered a series of strokes which left him with profound disabilities We were told he would probably never speak, and he was only expected to live for 10 years. Well, Peter turned 18 this May. (laughs) He still does not talk, but if he ever does, we are fucked. So so fucked. (laughs) So fucked. So caring for Peter became our sacred duty, but it's exhausting and it never stops. There's no such thing as normal. There's only typical. And while some things may get easier, others definitely get harder. And rather than turn towards each other for comfort and solace, especially when it came to sex, it became harder and harder to connect. Though many couples experience parenting as draining to their relationship, it's especially hard for parents of disabled children. There really is only one person who knows what you're going through. And when you can't be honest with that person about the reality of your life, you really are alone. You both are. The truth
2: is that my husband never kissed me hard or tried to cop a feel or sometimes had trouble maintaining an erection when we did try and have intercourse. I feared that this was more than a case of mismatched libidos, and I internalized a lot as a result. I worried that sex didn't work because I was really bad at it. And I spent a lot of nights crying as quietly as possible.
3: Forward to July 2009. I had a week alone while Peter and Melissa were in Wisconsin. Each summer for years, I would use these rare weeks alone to explode into a pink fog of cross-dressing. Always alone, deeply in secret, wrapped in guilt and shame. That July, I finally decided to try and figure out why, so I went to book people at Sixth and Lamar, and I timidly walked in (laughs) to the LGBTQ section. (laughs) I bought a book entitled My Husband Betty, took it home, and started reading about Betty, who was just like me. I read it cover to cover right through the night. Later that week, I wrote in my journal, this has been an amazing week of reading and slowly putting together All of the pieces of who I am. I've already come to appreciate that my feelings are far deeper than I had ever previously allowed myself to believe. It may sound silly, but I almost feel like I'm watching all of these feelings come together to make a complete person. Or rather, the long-hidden other half of a complete person. After 37 years of looking at a puzzle but never really trying to actually put the pieces together, I'm finally putting things together. Of course, I don't really know where I'm going yet, and I'm still very scared about where it may all lead. I had to tell Melissa. So as soon as I arrived in Wisconsin to join them, I suggested to Melissa that we go out for coffee alone. I told her that I was suffering from gender dysphoria and that I was, felt like I was somewhere in the middle of the gender spectrum.
2: I listened intently. But once we got back to my parents' house, I sank into a literal state of shock, teeth chattering, shivering in the July heat. I remember feeling this way at Children's Hospital, the first time they had to resuscitate our infant son, Peter. Joe put his arms around me then, too, trying to stop the shivering.
3: I never should have told you. For the first time, I felt like I couldn't fix this. But it's hard to comfort someone when you feel like you're the reason why they're hurting.
2: Did I mention I'm an academic? Fortunately, my doctoral studies had plenty of research in women's studies and gender theory. So, at least the terms and the concepts were not entirely new to me, and I could wrap my head around it. I went into research mode and made a list of questions about how he was experiencing life and love through this fog of gender dysphoria. The most important ones to me were, one, do you still love me? Two, are you gay? And three, do you feel like you might actually be a woman?
3: The answers were yes, no, no.
2: I breathed a sigh of relief and figured that we would find a way, some way, through all this, and managed to stay a couple, somehow. Also, I am a terrible quitter. It's one of my best and worst qualities. <laughs> a few years passed, and our physical relationship deteriorated even further. I could see my, my funny, smiling, witty guy falling further and further into depression and anxiety. I knew that the reason behind it had to be this gender dysphoria but he just couldn't open that black box.
3: That black box. I was terrified to admit that I was trans. I couldn't even say the word trans. But after another five years of fighting with myself, I finally reached my bottom in in 2015, and back in my journal I wrote, I'm lying. I'm lying to Melissa, to everybody, to myself, and I have been for a very long time. I'm so scared
2: But I knew that there was a difference between lying and not being able to admit the truth And I knew that I could never live with myself knowing that someone was making themselves miserable just to be with me I needed more I deserved more We both did That same year Also known as the year of zero fucks My personal motto for the year Danielle began to emerge And so the answers to those same three questions Changed a bit Do you still love me? Yes Are you gay?
3: Yes, but not in the way you may have thought
2: (laughs) (laughs) Do you Do you feel like you might actually be a woman? Yes. Then you should be. You need to do it and feel it and live it, but not right in front of me.
3: And that's when we stopped being a couple. That was the year I started HRT, hormone replacement therapy. For a transgender woman like myself, that's the process of removing testosterone and adding estrogen Three pills which help save lives. They saved my life. Everyone focuses on the physical transformations that hormones create over months and years and what feels like a snail's pace. But the mental health benefits come so quickly for so many of us. For a brain that was always wired female, finally balancing this hormonal chemistry brought me profound peace. And during this period, my mantra was thank you, estrogen.
2: Which brings us to July 2016, our 20th anniversary. How do you honor a life together with somebody who's starting to feel like a ghost?
3: So we planned a celebration of sorts, but we were both walking a tightrope, trying to be respectful to each other, true to ourselves, and compassionate to us both. We agreed that was it important to us both that we take time to honor and celebrate our shared life together, Then we'd go our separate ways for the rest of the evening. It was a step in a quest to redefine our relationship. I vowed to work hard to keep the energy positive. That night, however, I had to grieve the loss of my wife, the woman I loved so dearly for so many years, just as I knew that she was grieving the loss of her husband. It was impossible for us both to be what the other one needed and still be true to ourselves. And while there's actually some peace to be found in the clarity of that assessment, it still saddened us both profoundly. We had known this for some time, but the weight of it hit especially hard that evening. So as I left work and drove downtown to our meeting spot at the W Hotel, I was filled with emotions. Thank you, estrogen.
2: (laughs) (laughs) We sat in my favorite spot at the W, the record room by the fireplace and ordered a couple of cocktails. It was tense and sad and poignant and real. We'd brought cards to read to each other and we cried silently. We finished our drinks and Danielle said something to me, something I hadn't yet heard, but which really brought a lot of things into focus.
3: I said... There's a very fine line between envy and desire.
2: This statement sank in slowly and it settled right on top of my sense of self, smothering it almost. It was very, very hard not to hear this as I've never really desired you. Memories flooded back of feeling totally alone even though the person that loves you the most is right next to you. Fortunately, since I knew it was going to be a tough night, I had lined up a couple of girlfriends for some aftercare. I left Danielle on the sidewalk outside the W and drove myself to my friend Jessica's house, where I was loved on by my closest friends, plied with a steady stream of cocktails, (laughs) and put to bed. The next morning, I drove myself to Whole Foods and ate a huge plate of pasta, the ultimate hangover cure and comfort food. And then I drove myself straight to Q Toys and bought myself the best vibrator on the market. Mm -hmm. Shout out to Jimmy Jane. Happy 20th anniversary to me. Last July, we rebranded our anniversary. Now we celebrate Friendship Day. It's a day of reflection and a celebration of a lifelong bond and commitment to each other and to our family.
3: Three years ago, I certainly would not have thought I would be up here tonight (laughs) in front of y'all with my ex-wife, to whom I'm actually still married. (laughs) Melissa, you know my transition makes it so we're gay married So I guess that makes us queer
2: No, 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 no Just because I was in a lesbian relationship for 20 years Without knowing it <laughs> Does not make me queer I am queer adjacent <laughs>
3: You are straight Not that there's anything wrong with that
2: Baby, I was born this way <laughs> Danielle's gender identity transitioned, but mine didn't. My identity and sexuality is just as fundamental and important to me as Danielle's is to her. And while she suffered from not living authentically, I did too. I remember the first time I came to bed post-confessions and learned that there are lots of different kinds of people having lots of different kinds of sex. (laughs) Or not. And that it's all okay. And so Danielle and I changed things. I began dating. I found a piece of myself that I'd been missing. But I still hadn't given up on what I thought I was getting in my relationship with Joe. I still wanted real intimacy, connected sex, and the possibility of sharing my life, our life, with someone who wanted all of me. I knew it was a long shot. Disabled child, transgender wife, <laughs> a lot to get your head around let alone sign up to be a part of but I am worth it and (laughs) I am happy to report that Danielle and my boyfriend Brad like and respect each other and can geek out like only two engineers can (laughs) I have a type (laughs) It doesn't mean that there aren't twingy moments, but now, in July of 2019, we honor our love, courage, and kindness for ourselves, for each other, for our son, for our friends.
3: We will always have a deeply interwoven life that will continue to center on Peter. We might not be a couple.
2: No, we're still a family. P.S. She's single, ladies. <laughs>
0: Ready, baby? I am. I confess some people say that sex ends when you get married. I'm one year in and I'm having some of the best sex ever. It's so fucking good. I want to report back when you are 20 years in. (laughs) (laughs) I confess I've never
1: had a strap used a strap on, and I want to so bad. You should totally do it. It's so fun. You get to feel what it's like to have a dick.
0: That's mm-hmm. fun. It's totally fun. It's good to have all the equipment needed for all the things. Yeah. I confess, I worry that I will never find my person. Frown face. Mm. You will. You will. I confess.
1: So my boyfriend and I broke up recently right before bed slash sex. Uh, But on his way out, he stole my vibrator. (laughs) What? Petty bastard.
0: (sighs) That is cold. (laughs)
1: Bedpost Confessions is recorded in front of a live audience at the North Door in Austin, Texas. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Bedpost Confessions. Stay up to date and maybe buy a little merch by visiting bedpostconfessions.com. Bedpost Confessions is produced by myself, Sadie Smythe, and Miranda Wiley. Our podcast production team is Mariah Gossett, Mike Garcia, and Permanent Record Studios. And again, we love when you share our show with people you love. And who knows, maybe we will read one of your confessions soon. Leave us a little note on Apple Podcasts. And until then, keep confessing.